How are you doing this morning? All right. I uh, want to welcome those who are coming for the first, maybe second or third time. We are a church called Cypress Creek Church, group of imperfect people who are all on a journey to follow the only perfect Savior, and that's Jesus. And I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor. And uh, today we are coming to a close to this I think, pretty amazing uh, book in the Bible, the book of Romans. We've been in this series called Unashamed. 15 weeks, 15 weeks that we've been in this series learning about how, what it looks like to be unashamed believers in the gospel of Jesus, the good news that Jesus came to save and redeem all who are broken, to give and offer eternal life to anyone who would call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. And uh, we looked at verse 16, which has really been our thesis statement. 16 and 17 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, writes Paul, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, not by works, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We looked at this phrase that God is righteously righteousing unrighteous individuals. He's making us more like Jesus by faith as we look in who on who the person of Jesus is as this uh, book has beautifully talked about. So let's do a little bit of recap and then we'll hit this final message. Again, the beginning to know the gospel and be transformed by it to live unashamed. We look at the problem of sin early on, not only the problem of sin, but really the problem of this world, the evil that exists in our hearts. And because it exists in here, it overflows into the world in chapters one through three. Then uh, growing in faithfulness, how to do that. that uh, chapter five, we have been justified. We have security in God because of what Jesus did, not anything we have done. And then when we take that Personally, it changes everything. Chapter six, moving on to chapter seven, we talked about the, the people of Israel, the Jewish faith. Now, now, what are we to do with the 39 books of the Old Testament? Let's keep it. Let's learn from it. It has an incredible message still for us. Chapter eight, we are no longer condemned. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're awake and I hear an amen. All right, holy anguish. What do we do with those that are not yet believing in Jesus? How to foster this holy anguish. And then chapter 10, the unashamed heralds to, to preach the gospel, to believe and confess. Uh, and then we, we talked about Resurrection Sunday on Easter, how to trust God, step out and uh, look up as we uh, confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And then finally, last Five messages, living for Jesus, chapter 12, how to think of God, respond wholeheartedly, how to change our mind and activate the gifts inside of us. Uh, uh, chapter eight, remember uh, that one, or I'm sorry, uh, that should be the end of chapter 12, overcome evil with good, that 16 point message. Uh, we won't have 16 points today, don't worry. Uh, then subversive submission, how to keep our eyes focused on the main thing as we relate to governing authorities last week, saintly disagreement, how to find this conviction and, and build each other up strong and weak together. And this morning we say goodbye. Goodbyes are hard. Right now we're in a season where we may be saying goodbyes as 
School is coming out, uh, baseball teams, soccer teams, volleyball. We're, we're, we're going away from the summer. We may be saying goodbye to family. We may be saying goodbye to coworkers for a while. Whatever it may be, we say goodbye all the time. And Paul takes a chapter and a half to land the plane and say goodbye. And it was interesting. He puts on a clinic on how to do this. And so this morning, I want to talk about six elements of how to say goodbye. But first, a question for us. How do you say goodbye? A lot of us do this. All right, see you later. Bye-bye. And then you're just out the door after you meet or uh, hang out with a family member. It's just quick and short. Let's get to it. I got places to be, people to see, right? Let's get after it. And then some of us, this was me growing up, my experience growing up in a Latino house. Maybe yours was Latino and you didn't even know it. But you, you say goodbye and it's a process where you say, all right, it's time for me to go. And then you start talking about, man, that fettuccine Alfredo was so good. And then you're like, hey, take some of it. And then you go back to the fridge and then you end up sitting down and then you're like, hey, and man, I forgot to tell you this one amazing thing. And then 45 minutes later, you get back up and then you're like, hey, all right, fine. I really have to go. But did you hear? I mean, did you watch the Miami Heat play and Jimmy Budget? I mean, you just keep going and going and going. And here's what I have deducted from both, either if you're this, bye-bye, or if you're, you're just here in this really, really long process, it's so important to recognize the significance of a goodbye. Here's what's fun. This week I learned that goodbye actually comes from Old English in the 1500s. God be with you is the origin of goodbye. God be with you, B-Y-E. God be with ye is how they used to say it. And then we replaced God with good when we said good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and goodbye. So we replaced God, and, and my hope is that we would put God back in our goodbyes, as Paul does in Romans chapter 13, because just uh, chapters 15 and 16, because just like our own goodbyes. You just never know when you're going to see that person again. And in Paul's case, this is the last time that the church in Rome probably hears from them. And I can relate to that. When I was 16, I was a junior in high school. I said goodbye to a friend, actually quite rudely. I, I did not even say bye-bye. We were in a disagreement and we left. And my friend Eric passed away when he went home that afternoon. And I wish that I could have said something like, hey, man, I know we're not great right now, but I just want to let you know that you've been a great friend, that every time I hang out with you, I feel valued by you. I feel seen. He, I was a guy that talked a lot. He was the opposite. Opposites attract, right? And so he would listen to me. I wish I would have said that. that Paul recognizes the importance of a good by. And so he starts his goodbye in chapter 15 by lifting up, lifting up this church in Rome. And I think that that's probably the best way for us to start our goodbyes and say, hey, way to go. Hey, it was awesome hanging out. I really enjoyed our time together. Here's what he says for uh, chapter 14. Uh, chapter 15, verse 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness and filled with knowledge, incompetent to instruct one another. Yet 
I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. He's saying, hey, you guys are doing great. Keep it up. Way to go. And the best CEOs, says Patrick Lencioni, are CROs, Chief Reminding Officers. Vision has a short shelf life, and so you just need to be reminded. So he said, hey, I boldly am reminding you that the whole book of Romans is about one thing. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power to save all who believes. That's why we printed this out, because this is the point of Romans. And maybe you will put this in a mirror somewhere in your car, someplace that will remind you of what the gospel and the power of the gospel is all about. And so Paul is reminding them. He says, uh, because of the grace God gave me, not only is he lifting them up, but he's also giving all glory to God. He's saying to be a minister because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Those are the non-Jews. He gave me the priestly duty to pro- of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it is said that when you are saying something, you need to tell them what you're going to tell them. You need to tell them, and then you need to tell them what you told them. And that's what Paul has done in the, in, the, in the book of Romans. It is all about the gospel and giving glory to God. He's lifting them up. And then he pursues them. He, he talks about plans to see them again. It's the, hey, all right, that was really great. Really enjoyed hanging out. Really was rich to be together. I hope to see you soon. Now, how many of us say that? Hey, let's get together again. And then years go by. <laughs> And, and we don't follow through. It's interesting what Paul does. He expresses a desire to see them. He doesn't actually, uh, well, he makes a plan, but we'll, 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 go, we'll go to that here in a second. Verse 20 says, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were told, not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you, but now there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you. So Paul never knew the church in Rome. He wrote them a letter because he heard all these amazing things, and so what he's saying is, hey, I've been, I've been hindered from coming to you because I've been, been busy fishing in ponds where no one else is fishing. He, and what he's saying here is, this, I've caught all the fish. <laughs> I've, I've finished my work in all of these places. And so now I want to come to see you. Here's the application for us this morning. If you are in this room and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he is calling us to go fishing in ponds where others have not yet been fishing. What am I talking about? Your sphere of influence. What places has God placed you in? Right now, in this season, where there, are not may, there may not be many Christians, there may not be many people who are unashamed of the gospel, who are talking about what God is doing in their life, simply. Not only sharing the message of the good news, but also how that message has changed and transformed your life. That's what Paul is saying. Hey, go! I didn't want to go fish in a pond that was you know, running low on fish, but everyone was enjoying fishing together. I was, I was getting busy, getting after it, because the mission is critical. 
And, and so he was going to all of these places. Verse 24, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Here we go. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Man, Paul is hitting it. He wants to see them on the way, but not rush it. He wants to enjoy the koinonia, this fellowship that we have with one another. Enjoy being together. Super key. Not, not too concerned about the mission. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. But again, maybe being on this side of the goodbye. Can we just hang out and, and relax and, and be together for a while and, and not be so busy from going place to place? He's saying now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. He's talking about his plans, his next step. In the service of the Lord's people there for Macedonia and Achaia, we're pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. So Paul is collecting, just like we are collecting for the baby bottle fundraiser, they were collecting contributions to go outside of the walls so that the church in Jerusalem that was low on income, low on money, uh, can provide for the believers in the mission there. And he's saying that these believers in Macedonia and Achaia, they inherited the spiritual blessing that started in Jerusalem. That's where the church started in Acts 2. And so they owe it to them. Now they get to give back in a material way. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God building other churches up? For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews spiritual blessing, there it is, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessing. Blessing. So after I've completed this task and have made sure that they received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Paul was not going to Spain on vacation. He was not going to Mar Barcelona or, or the coast. He, he was on mission. That was the furthest extent of the Roman Empire at that time. And so he was uh, taking advantage of his Roman citizenship, and he was going to go all the way to reach as many people as he could. My favorite verse is uh, Proverbs 16.9. It says this, we make our plans, but it is the Lord that determines our steps. So we can say when our goodbye, hey, I hope to see you. I'll see you on the way, you know, but God will determine our steps. He will establish our every step, which uh, is what is happening here in verse 30. He says, I urge you. He asked for support. And he's saying, please pray for me. This is the next thing. He's, he's, he's asking for prayer requests. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Three prayer requests. The first one is uh, pray that I may be kept safe from unbelievers. In Judea. The second, that the contribution, this, this offering that I take to Jerusalem may be favorably, favorably received by the Lord's people there because there was still anxiety. There was still some division between the Jews and the Gentiles. And third, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. So these three prayer requests are answered. <laughs> Not in the way that Paul uh, uh, wanted them to go, 
Perhaps. We, we don't necessarily know. One was positive, two were negative. Here's what happened in Acts 29, this first uh, prayer request for safety from unbelievers. As soon as Paul enters into Jerusalem, he is put in chain, dragged out of the synagogue, beaten by the Jews, the Jewish leaders, because of uh, blasphemy, and then saved by the Roman soldiers and put in a prison for two years. God protected him, though. He put him in prison for two years. He, he did not die. That's how the first prayer was answered. The second prayer uh, did come in. He brought this gift to the church in Jerusalem, and it indeed brought together the Jews and the Gentile. It brought unity, just like he is talking about in this book of Romans, unity between a multicultural church, Jews Gentile saying our common denominator is not where we come from, but the God that we worship and believe. And we see that in Acts 24. And then in Acts 22, he does eventually make it to Rome, but God's will is not in our perspective with joy and refreshment. He shows up to Rome in chains and immediately again imprisoned for two years. We need to be careful sometimes what we pray for. God answers our prayers, but not always the way that we think he's going to answer them. Here is the last verses of the book of Acts. It's about Paul in this context. For the next two years, this is now prayer answered. Paul is in Rome. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense, meaning he was totally provided for. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. He was bold, and he remained unashamed the rest of his days. He never made it to Spain. Uh, we're told that he was martyred there in Rome. But in those two years, he wrote six out of his 13 letters to the church. And so thinking about, hey, I pray that joy and refreshment may come with my visit to you in Rome. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that joy and refreshment have come not only to Rome, but now to all the world for all time, thanks to the work that God did through the Apostle Paul in those two years. Isn't that amazing? He left his, his legacy, God's will, through uh, this, this inspiration uh, that God gave to Paul, written down in our Bibles forever and ever. There's another influential person, not an apostle, uh, but I believe a, a great pastor and uh, mentor from far away for me personally, Tim Keller. If you know him, you know he passed away two days ago. 72 years old, he lost his battle with cancer, but he said this at the end of his days. He said, it is not a bad thing for me to go. He knew that his legacy here on earth was, was complete, that he did his work here on earth, and now it was time for him to be in glory um, with Jesus. And he wrote this in his book titled Prayer. It's Tim Keller. Paul does not see prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but as a way to get more of God himself. And then he writes, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he does. <laughs> so it's all about, Lord, your will be done. Paul prays for support. He says, hey, pray for me. And then, man, chapter 16 flips the page and honors a list of 
people. I love how personal the touch is. A whole chapter almost of individuals that mean the world to Paul. Have you ever said, hey, say hi to so-and-so or so-and-so sends their greetings, right? Paul does this in chapter 16. I'm just going to read a couple verses here. Verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sincrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people including me, greet Priscilla and Aquila, this couple, married couple, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. He goes on to honor 35 people. I wrote them all down in this chapter. I underlined the women because I just love that in an ancient text, Paul honors women like Phoebe, like, like uh, Priscilla, like Mary, like Junia, Tryphena, Tryphosa, and Julia. By the way, if you're having a baby, here's a good word bank for uh, possible names. Let's bring some of these back, right? Awesome. Epinetus, that's a, that's a fun one, Epinetus. Anyway, Narcissus, we'll, we'll, I'll stop there. Uh, the, the last list on the right, those uh, eight are actually people that are with Paul as he's writing to the Romans. He's probably in Corinth. Timothy, who he wrote two letters to later on, and Lucius and Jason and Sosipater and Tertius and Gaius and Erastus and Cordus. Again, awesome Roman Greek names. All right, so these are honorable mentions he honors individuals because relationships matter. They're so important. He doesn't see people as a means to an end. He recognizes that people are the end. Bob Moss, our pastor of spiritual formation, says that the secret to ministry is this, to hang out, to enjoy fellowship. And Paul proves that he really loved people well by honoring these people by name in the closing of this uh, uh, incredible book. And, and I love that he doesn't say a single negative thing about any of these people. Sometimes in our goodbyes, we can tend to slide into gossip. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Hey, did, did, uh, isn't that terrible? He talks about people behind their back, but not the way that we do. He lifts them up. He honors them. What would it look like to do the same as we say our goodbyes? Two more. He shows incredible care next by telling them to watch out. He doesn't call them out by name, but, but he does say, hey, I, I want to give you some warnings. Very interesting. In verse 17, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. What is this teaching? The whole book of Romans. And he's saying this isn't the case in Romans as it is in other churches like Corinth, uh, that, that their division is happening and there are false teachers in their midst. It doesn't seem to be the case that there are false teachers right now. But when God is moving, <laughs> that means the enemy is uh, taking notice. And so he's saying, be proactive Watch out. Keep away from them. Set a boundary. Don't, don't be hanging out with them all the, all, all the time. Watch out what they say. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. 
Jesus has called us not to uh, look at our own appetite, but to who? Love our neighbor as, as ourselves. So it's not about us. It's about others. And, and he's saying, watch out for the people who, who only want to please themselves by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience. Here he goes back to lifting them up. So I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good. This is a word for us and innocent about what is evil. Wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Jesus said it this way. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, as doves. Paul is reiterating that word for Jesus. And then he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Does it say you will crush Satan? No, no, no. Who's going to crush Satan? The God of peace. Isn't that cool? It's, it's the God of peace that will crush Satan under our feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. First Peter says this, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour in this place after our 1030 gathering last Sunday. Um, if you were there, you saw it. If you weren't, that's why I'm telling you, because it was amazing. Two young men came up to me right after the gathering, and they said, we have said yes to Jesus, and, and we're ready uh, to get baptized. And can I just be real with you for a second? I think I was more excited than them. And I was like, Let, let's go right now. But, but I felt in my spirit, no, 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 don't, 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 just slow down. <laughs> and so I slowed down. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And, and then I asked them a couple of questions, and then I asked them this third question. I said, when, when do you want to get baptized? And they looked at me and they said, as soon as possible. And I said, let's go and get baptized then. And so uh, uh, these two young men gave their lives to Jesus and were baptized right after the gathering. 52 baptisms so far this year at Cypress Creek Church. <laughs> Praise be to God and all glory goes to him. Now watch out because the enemy is also taking notice. And we need to make sure that we are not causing division about things that don't matter. Because let me tell you what the most important thing that God is doing right now. He is changing individual lives. If you want to see this world change, start in here and, and then start with your neighbor and watch how God life after life changes our environment and our culture. One by one. That's God's way. It is not top down. It is not with the news cycle. It is not with what's going on with the government. Let's stay focused on our mission. Anybody out there? All right. Watch out. Who will crush Satan? The God of peace. And finally, we have ended every gathering for the last, I don't know how long, with a benediction. It's a blessing, a declaration of God's blessing. And that's how Paul ends here in verse 25. Now all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my good news. That's the gospel message that Paul has accepted. That's why he's saying it's my good news. He's accepted the gospel himself. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time, but now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and 
obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. This is how we keep God in our goodbyes. Let's look at these six elements of goodbye to lift up, to pursue, to support, to honor, to care, and to bless. And in the words of the Fab Four, the Beatles, I say goodbye and you say hello. Every goodbye is also a hello. And I want to encourage us. He is, he is sending the church of Rome out. He's not saying, hey, goodbye forever. He's saying, I hope to see you soon, but, but go out. Now the, the words that I've entrusted to you, you take to others. And so I want to close with these two questions that are on the card that you got this morning. The first is, I am letting go of. What is God asking you to respond to him? Maybe from something you heard this morning, maybe from something that you heard through this series. What is something that he's letting go of that is perhaps keeping you in that place of shame? Shame about who God is, but maybe also shame in who he made you to be. And what is he asking you to hold on to? If you are looking for words, I have these two slides that I picked from prior messages in Romans 1 says that we are led to foolish thinking. There's a ton of things that we can be drawn to in our futile thinking that maybe God is calling us to let go. And if we are looking for things to hold on to, here's a list from Romans chapter 12. These marks of what being a Christian looks like. Maybe we need to hold on to one. And I encourage you maybe right now as we close in worship or as you go home this evening to, to write something down and say, Lord, I'm, I'm letting go. Maybe it's shame, shame of my past, shame of, of you. And, and now I'm holding on to the power of God that is your gospel. Let's pray together. If you're able and willing, Stand with me as we close. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the source of power that is the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and paid the price for our sin. And thanks to what we never could have done, we, we now have access to the Father. We have been reconciled to our Creator. And we can share that with, our, with those around us and also continue to live in the freedom here, now, and forever. And so this morning, maybe what you need to let go is you need to let go of control of your life and you need to hold on to what Jesus Christ did for you. And if that's you, I want to encourage you this morning to say yes to him, to surrender your life and say these words after me, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I declare that you are now the boss of my life. And I thank you for dying for me and giving me the gift of everlasting life.